You're listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. If you know any way that we can improve our content for you, the listener, drop us a line at hiddenhistory.show. Hidden History is sponsored by Bulletin Technologies, LLC, and the Alexandria Initiative. To learn about how you can fly for a fraction of the cost of commercial, visit bulletinflights.com. Tune into future episodes to hear all about the exciting new educational tech being developed by Alexandria. To catch up on all our past episodes and hear new ones every Wednesday, head on over to hiddenhistory.show and learn something new today. Responsibility lies on the shoulders of one man. By his latest act of naked aggression, Hitler has committed a crime not only against Poland, but against the whole human race. Against the mothers and children leaving the cities of Britain under the great evacuation scheme with a smoothness and speed that avoids a single accident or delay. As they start out on what to them is the great adventure, already German troops, guns and planes have crossed the Polish border to kill and to destroy. So Britain prepares to fight. And never in our history have we been so united in the knowledge that our cause is just. We have no material interest in the quarrel between Germany and Poland. But we shall be fighting for something which is vital to our life and to the life of all civilized people. For in a world where the rights of the weak and the honor of the pledged word can be overruled by the high hand of military power, there is no tolerable life for nations or for peoples. So in spite of our hatred of war, we must meet force with force. And as our children move from the crowded cities to the kind care of newfound friends in safer places, what a tragic contrast to the preparations for the horrible struggle that may lie ahead. Terrible is the responsibility of the leader of the German Nazis for a catastrophe that will cause untold suffering and may set back civilization perhaps for centuries. He has rejected every appeal for a peaceful settlement from the Pope, whose followers regard him as the vicar of Christ on earth, from the King of the Belgians, whose youth was shaped by the tragic years of the last war, from the President of the United States, ardent fighter for peace, and from the Queen of the Netherlands. All have been rebuffed by the will of that one man in his senseless criminal greed for power. So German bombers swoop over Polish land. Polish cities and harbors are attacked. Even the capital of Warsaw itself is bombed. But Britain is ready. To quote the Prime Minister, the time for words is over. The time for action has come. During the opening years of the Second World War, those first few years of Nazi conquest, scores of nations were subjugated under the German boot. Poland, France, Belgium, Austria, Norway, Denmark, the Netherlands. The list goes on. And on the morning of February 19, 1942, they would bring the fight to Canada. The target? The city of Winnipeg, in the sparsely populated province of Manitoba. Nazi soldiers began to assemble outside the city before sunrise, and at 5.45 they captured a radio broadcaster, using his equipment for propaganda purposes. Almost immediately after, Canadian troops began to muster at armories and barracks around the city. 
In response, the Luftwaffe's aerial bombardment began as planes dropped bombs across Winnipeg. At 7 a.m., the air raid sirens began to wail, signaling a mandatory blackout across the city. At 7.03, the ground attack began. Winnipeg was poorly defended, and by 7.45, Nazi forces gained significant ground and were only within two miles of capturing the city center. The Canadian defenders deployed the same tactic in defending Winnipeg as used in the defense of Paris in World War I almost 30 years prior. Light tanks were deployed to railgrade crossings and arterial roadways, while 30 anti-aircraft guns on the streets and roofs of Winnipeg fired at the planes above. The Nazis continued their push, and by 9.30, the battle was lost. The Canadian soldiers began the retreat as German forces occupied the city. They wasted no time in exerting their control. The city was rechristened Himmlerstadt and the main road Himmlerstrasse. Local politicians and prominent citizens were taken to a concentration camp erected in the historic Lower Fort Gary. The Union Jack was taken down. A swastika rose in its place. Soldiers went out into the city to cause chaos. They looted items from museums and homes, commandeered food in restaurants and stores, attacked newspaper sellers, burned books en masse from the Winnipeg Public Library, and imprisoned and replaced teachers who did not comply with the quote, Nazi truth. The new leadership of the city quickly drafted its first decree, which was plastered throughout the city. Its ten articles read as follows. 1. This territory is now part of the Greater Reich and under the jurisdiction of Colonel Erich von Nuremberg, Gauleiter of the Führer. 2. No civilians will be permitted on the streets between 9.30pm and daybreak. 3. All public places are out of bounds to civilians and not more than eight persons can gather at one time in any place. 4. Every householder must provide billeting for five soldiers. 5. All organizations of a military, semi-military, or fraternal nature are hereby disbanded and banned. Girl Guide, Boy Scout, and similar youth organizations will remain in existence, but under direction of the Gauleiter and Stormtroops. 6. All owners of motor cars, trucks, and buses must register same at occupation headquarters, where they will be taken over by the Army of Occupation. 7. Each farmer must immediately report all stocks of grain and livestock, and no farm produce may be sold except through the office of the Commandant of Supplies in Winnipeg. He may not keep any for his own consumption, but must buy it back through the central authority in Winnipeg. 8. All national emblems, excluding the swastika, must be immediately destroyed. 9. Each inhabitant will be furnished with a ration card, and food and clothing may only be purchased on the presentation of this card. 10. The following offenses will result in death without trial attempting to organize resistance against the Army of Occupation, entering or leaving the province without permission, 
failure to report all goods possessed would order to do so. Possession of firearms. It ended with a statement of fact. No one will act, speak, or think contrary to our decrees. So how did the Canadian army finally manage to expel the German soldiers from their soil? That question is particularly easy, especially considering that there were never any Germans to begin with. The entire thing was staged. The invading Nazis were, in reality, volunteers who had gotten their uniforms from Hollywood costume shops and painted their faces with cartoonish saber scars. The invasion itself was meticulously choreographed, directed by phone and light signal from atop the Chamber of Commerce building. It involved over 3,500 Canadian troops. The bombings that had started the day were done by Canadian planes in Luftwaffe livery, dropping bombs made of dynamite and coal dust. Those 30 anti-aircraft guns were firing blanks at the skies above Winnipeg and all the books burned at the public library had previously been marked as damaged or outdated. Even though advanced word of the event was spread throughout the city, many were unprepared for the Nazi invasion and believed it to be real. It was all an elaborate plan to sell victory bonds, and when the captured politicians and dignitaries were released from their camp at 5.30 that afternoon, they led a parade to support the sale of them. Unsurprisingly, it worked, and by the 24th, five days after the attack, when adjusted for inflation, Winnipeggers bought more than 900 million Canadian dollars worth of victory bonds. It was called If Day, and it was successful enough to inspire similar events in the United States and Canada. In North America, we often think to ourselves that it couldn't happen here. For a quarter million people on one cold day in February, it did. Here's a Pathé newsreel from 1942 covering If Day. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History. Sends her victory loan, rocketing with off. a brilliant idea. It's Manitoba's dramatic If Day. What to expect if Canada and the United Nations were to come under the grinding heel of Nazism? Mock German troops invade Winnipeg, hauling people off buses and trams and placing the entire city under martial law. The town hall is ransacked and the mayor arrested as the Union Jack is hauled down and replaced by the swastika. For a whole day, the capital feels what it's like to exist under the Nazi yoke. The Winnipeg Tribune becomes Das Winnipeger Lugenblatt. Nazi troops shoulder citizens from every restaurant. All food is commandeered for the soldiers of Hitler's master race. All churches and other places of worship are closed. Priests and ministers are arrested. No place in the new order for God. Das Führer is almighty now. Schools are invaded by Nazi culturists. Youngsters see their teachers expelled. The principles of democracy are erased. Private homes are pillaged. Systematic looting? No. The Nazis call it borrowing. The people of Europe can tell you all about that. Public officials are ordered to concentration camps or the firing squads. 
Here's an object lesson we can profit by, as well as Winnipeg. <laughs>